Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Well, hello there, Emily. How are you today? Oh, Michelle, I am so good. I'm good because the holiday season is upon us, and everyone knows I'm crazy about the holidays. You are. You are. And, and, um, and you just look you look joyful today. I, 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 I am very spirited. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited. The holidays are here. We have a great guest, great wine. I'm just beaming. What about you? I am beaming as well because it's just another great day to drink wine here at the studio with our guest. I don't have any holiday decorations up just yet, but I'm working on it. I um, do. I know you do. But, but <laughs> you know, with all transparency here, my one of my holiday <laughs> decorations is remaining from last year. Yeah. Oh, so, so you have a head start on, on it. Okay, well, I I think I remember that from last year, but that's all right. It's, yeah. it's all good. The you spirit know. lives on. So, you know. yeah, yeah, I'm getting excited. I have some great gigs coming up. I'm actually playing with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra a few times wow. this year. So, yeah, so that's going to be really fun. Cello? And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing that this is the only instrument I really know. Well, yeah. anyway, maybe. I could be playing the fog machine, but... You know, no. something like that, the triangle or right. something, you know, if they really needed that. But that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, is it going to be like what, how many, how many people I, do they normally get? I mean, I think it's a, a big arena kind of gig. Yeah. So it's like 40,000. I, I, I'm not sure. I think it's probably more like, you know, the. 10 to 20,000, okay. something okay. like that. Just local or you're going to go to Kansas City too? Yeah, so I'm going, I've got five gigs all together. Uh-huh. Um, so a um, couple in Kansas and then, you know, here in St. Louis as well. So in Kansas or Kansas City? Kansas City and Wichita. Wow. I know, I'm doing a little tour. Wow. Cool, huh? You're, are, is there like a bus you're traveling on? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Transporting myself in my cello. Oh, oh. Are you going to take the <laughs> Not train? Not that glamorous. Drive yourself. I'm driving. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and hitching a ride with some other musicians once oh, I get to Kansas City. But yeah, it'll, it'll, be, be, it'll be a good time. Oh. I love rocking it out. You I'm, know? I look forward I mean, to buying that album. Anytime you know? there's fog machines and a light show and I get to hop on stage and that's going on, I mean, I'm in. And it's holiday season? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah perfect. Well, that's exciting, so, Emily. Yeah, so that's Very what's exciting. happening in my world. Yeah. yeah. I guess the only thing I have exciting is a, a trip to Dublin in January. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, it's just a little, you know, a little, little weekend, not weekend, but a week away a with um, some, some girlfriends. Yeah. We, oh. uh, we do that once a year to a different location. So we're going to Dublin. Oh, that sounds marvelous. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about what we're doing today? Because it's a little different I, than what we've been known for in our first couple of seasons. We are introducing B-sides the, conversations. The B-side. That's the, right. Our conversations with the boys. With the boys. Like, remember... Um, I mean, I like I like calling it the B side because you know when you would get your album or your vinyl for the millennials mm-hmm. that are listening to us, and then or the forty fives, yes, and they always had like the cover song was on the uh, the mm-hmm. A side, but on the B side was something like new um hadn't been released or like the maybe a little more treasure ex- uh, obscure yeah. Shh, no, sh- we're not gonna call them hidden <laughs> treasures 
<laughs> not gonna call. We don't want to boost her ego too much, right? But so, like for us, with clearly speaking, and the and their guests have have ninety nine percent been mm-hmm. been women, and uh, but you know we we don't want to limit ourselves That's to right. just conversations with women, but we're very selective with the men that we have on the show. And that's why we're calling them the B-side. So kind of hidden treasures, but not really. Okay. We don't Just f- some of our favorite boys. Our How about favorite that? boys. How about that? So, and today we are definitely welcoming a favorite boy, Bob Baker. Thank you so much for being brave to be one of our very, well, Representing our very all first. the men in the universe today. It's great to be here, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that there's a lot of pressure being the first male, so I figured I had got to make a good first impression <laughs> right, representing right. the boys. Yeah, because otherwise yeah. they're going to like just go to the next episode. Yeah. They're going to scroll, find exactly. something else. Yeah. It worked out well. B-sides, Bob Baker. I got the alliteration going. Right. I, it's just a perfect fit. I, it's yeah. for, for our inaugural. For the, I love it. For the for the first guy, I am so honored. Thank you, thank you for having me. Because I've been observing this this is season three. Now, the hour right? season three. Mm-hmm. I went to the season one rap party. Did you? I don't know if you yeah. had a rap party. I think you we did have. A, we yeah, did. Yeah, I missed we that did. one. You think you were busy? I was busier. Yeah. 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 Some my busy lifestyle. <laughs> um, but it's really cool because I don't know if you mind talking about this, but sure. I was there at the either the inception or the conception. <laughs> of, Whoa. Of this idea. Uh, yes, yeah. but you didn't, I mean, I, you were at our first strategy session. I was at one, yeah. yeah. At our first strategy session with uh, Josh and Mitch Hancock at mm-hmm. Medici. Yeah, you were helping to foster the idea. Right. Not necessarily plant the seed. <laughs> <laughs> I have no hesitation rights. Um, yeah, uh, Bob yeah. pulled out yeah. uh, before was, any, any seed was planted. It was, it was a safe encouragement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, I remember, um, so, so, yeah, so just a real quick history. About a year uh-huh. and a half ago, uh, Emily and I, I think, met at a Medici. They're, they're, they have these Tuesday afternoon meetings. I think that's where we first yeah. met. And then it was like an anniversary party at Medici, like in August of last year, yeah. where I met you. And right. you were interested in improv. And uh, soon after that, both of you came to my improv classes. That yes. um, Emily got, you know, she's got other stuff. You know, it's a rock star <laughs> cellist. Know. You don't have time for <laughs> things like imp- improv. But Michelle has been a regular at my improv classes. I love the improv classes. You I do, think yeah. they're really fun. It, but it's, yeah, yeah, they are. And great people. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic yeah. people at the improv but, classes on Thursday nights. It's, it's not for everybody. And yeah, you just, you know, life life ha- happens. But I, I don't know. I'm gonna, you may or may not remember this. But I met you uh, a couple of times at a, at a wine bar, I think, in South City or in the uh, um, Oakland, oh, what do you call that 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 area um, down there? A couple times after some of your really early episodes, like afterwards. Oh, Ernesto's. Maybe you, that was you it. came yeah. down to yes. Ernesto's, and I remember, in Park. S- yeah, sitting out in their patio. We were having a wine, or yeah, whatever, oh, of and, and talking about you know how the early episodes were going, and you were lining up guests. And I remember sitting there, jokingly said, "Well, if you ever do interview males, you probably don't even <laughs> remember this." But I said, "I want to be your first male guest," and I said it kind of in jest because oh, wow. I because I knew the theme of the show you know I wasn't really expecting that to happen but look a year or so later here you are look, here's the, the first, first yes I planted yeah. I did plant that seed you totally <laughs> and you're popping your cherry tonight yeah, Bob on the show right. birthing oh, that baby for, fantastic well yeah. I do I remember and you've been very supportive and encouraging of yeah. um, our efforts here on the podcast yeah um, from the very beginning so yeah. I, we, appreci- we do appreciate that you bet you absolutely bet. well speaking of 
popping a cherry. Let's <laughs> pop our wine tonight okay. Okay. and um, talk about what it is that we're going to have our delightful conversation with our first B-side boy. So for this conversation, I actually selected something that is kind of cherry-like. Oh. Yes. So. That's the first. I love the puns. Lots of firsts here tonight. (laughs) This is a French wine. It's a Juliana, which is a northern uh, region of the Beaujolais region in France. Of course. And um, Naturally. Yes. This is the producer's Laurent uh, Perrichon, and we are drinking a 2017 this is perfect for the holidays because it's really yummy with things like, you know, turkey and a Thanksgiving dinner. But um, I or think. Or a the, holiday dinner. Or, or, would it be good with your ham? Dinner. If you have a ham at your I Christmas think it dinner? It would be lovely with ham. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I find much of what's on the nose of this to follow through on the palate, which is pretty exciting. Um, you've got cherry and strawberry and raspberry, even some kind of like ripe apple skin. Um, you know, definitely when you start tasting it, you get some more of those dark fruits, the, the blackberry, um, little plum, you're getting little earth and leather and minerality, some kind of tea leaves, mulberry. But I think as you kind of sniff and taste, you're going to see a lot of those notes come through that you're getting on the nose as well as the pat. I love this. I find it very well balanced, very approachable. What do you guys think? May I sniff it first? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that, if that's your opening yeah. line, um, but yeah. uh, always, but you I may always, certainly sip, sniff I this wine. Sniff before I consume. So, there, is that what the right word for wine? Is it sniff, or is there some other I, fancier? I, mean, I, I think sniff is fine. Okay, yeah. totally. You can stick sniff. your nose in there. And, yeah. I like to stick my face in it. Okay. But, <laughs> I mean, you can stiff your nose. Yeah, I'm glad you said yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes. There's, I, I, there's acorns, um, <laughs> freshly mowed grass. Um, there's a, there's a, oh, I a, smell that. I smell the, the same yeah, thing. Yeah. No, no. Oh, my God. There's the back of a John, John Deere tractor. <laughs> it's, it's, no, no. it's the mud in the tires. <laughs> yeah, it's, absolutely. Are we able to? Oh, we, I'm sorry. We can, oh, we can, we can, are we still just sniffing or are we it, sipping it, now? It's, it's, a, it's Jean Deere. <laughs> He's wrong. He's Jean France. Deere. It's from the northern part of uh, Alabama. <laughs> Mm. Well, John actually, John Deere is actually <laughs> an Illinois company, Mo- right? Oh, okay, well. Moline, Moline. Yeah. So, yes, awesome. So, my uh, Illinois, Illinois. Uh, yeah. My impressions of this Juliana. Uh, it was a little tight when I first sipped it, mm-hmm. uh, but as I have taken subsequent sips and have has you know sat here a little bit. It gets easier and easier and definitely more enjoyable. So I was trying to think of a pair of panties that would be tight when you first put it on and then would get a little looser, a little less tight and more and more enjoyable. Okay. Um, so it was, it's going to be more along the lines of a, um, I'm going to say like an, I, I like an, all I can think of is, and I'm sorry to bring this up, but like a, like a Francie pants, oh, you know, and sure. I and I know that she's you know closing know. her business, but you know it was it's such a pretty pair of panties, all cotton. Um, they they're not tight when you put them on, mm-hmm. but they certainly keep their shape. 
and they, um, you know, definitely more and more enjoyable as you, as mm. you wear them. So, um, you know, that's I'm, what's coming to mind. It's coming something like you know something like that. So I will I will continue to think on it because again, this wine continues to open up and. Right, and reveal more. And reveal more. So that made me think of, so I have a pair of panties that um, they actually bow tie on. So mm-hmm. there's like bow ties on the sides, yeah. you know, and, they, and they're and they so cute, but they're not practical underneath clothing because you've got these big ribbons bulging out on the sides. Right. But they definitely, like if you have a full skirt, they're fine. But as you wear them, of course, they relax quite a bit. Cause right, because the tie, the right, tie will right. relax. So, yeah. Or I was thinking about when you're talking about it, is the, um, I would call them like a little tap pant, um, oh. you know, uh, Again, more of like a boy short, but not boy shorts like they do today. You right. Know? Not not like a lazy that. Boy short. But it um it's Maybe. it's looser on the leg, mm. so it like it cuts up on the leg, and um it, they call them they called back in the day those were called like tap pants, like so tap dancers. Oh. Think about like you know how, what. You know, sure. really think back when tap dancers would be, you know, dancing with cigarette boxes or something, you know, but it was like that kind of a panty. So that's what made me think of that. If, if I may interject with a similar analogy, um, as I taste this wine, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm feeling more boxers than briefs, oh, personally. I, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm feeling kind of a an airy feeling. Okay. Um, you, you know, you can kind of get... Get loose. <laughs> is, it a, is it a plaid or a solid color? I'm thinking checkers. Checkers. <laughs> or checks. What do you call them? Checkers? You checkers, sure. like red like and black. Uh, yeah. Um, or or a, pa- a paisley. Oh, Ooh, yeah. I that's know. actually paisley that's is where I'm going with definitely, this. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. A silk paisley? <laughs> yes. Silk paisley Silky boxers. smooth and wide open. You can be, you can be definitely loose. <laughs> Kind of like this conversation <laughs> today. Like I just love open it. up, you know, just like the like the glass of wine. You know, that's probably going to be a pair of boxers that most women would want to own for themselves. I, w- I would definitely. I'm, I'm sure. I'd and if not, you'll hang just use around it the house in those. You'll just use it to, to clean, clean, dust. To clean your, yeah. yeah, to dust things. So, so earlier you're talking about uh, Christmas and um, yes. and Emily, you know, t- decorating. Are you Emily? I just have a feeling. Do you like when you put away? Are you the type of person that puts uh, away their ornaments and Christmas decorations in uh, specific boxes, and you, they're labeled, and you know exactly what what is in where? Can you find all your 100%. stuff? One hundred percent. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. not surprised. Yeah, I have very specific. You know, so anytime I have a beautiful box from like if it's a nice box from shoes or mm-hmm. a gift, like I keep those and then. I use those boxes for ornament storage or things that I like to pull out and I consider something special. So mm-hmm. that way, like, the box reminds me of, oh, yeah, that's when I bought those Mew Mews, you know. And then inside it would be some of my very precious favorite ornaments that I've had for 30 years or mm-hmm. family have family history to them. So, yeah, so it's kind of like layers of unpacking that bring me joy. Oh, so, wow. yes, and yeah. I have separate containers for – because I have four different – trees so oh, just, i have just separate containers do they all four go up every year or you you mix yeah, you rotate no, them most, maybe even in odd years time, or yes okay, yes really? i only got three up last year mm. we'll see what happens this year but um you know it typically yes it's it's a fully decked out house oh, wow mm-hmm. i have one tree <laughs> <laughs> and it is uh, it is full filled with uh, ornaments from my th- things my kids made or you know over the years mm-hmm. pictures of like their you know first grade their first grade school picture 
cut out and on like a an angel that they made with um with popsicle sticks and you know the tree tin of nostalgia foil. that's great absolutely it is not a designer tree mm-hmm. there's nothing designer about my uh my christmas decorations um oh i like the nostalgia <laughs> trees well yes. it's it's i mean you know you're you're kind that you're calling it nostalgia because <laughs> it's <laughs> if i i think my my christmas decorations are more like the island of the misfit toys it's just Aww. oh this here that there but there does mm-hmm. there's not a consistent theme Sometimes I'll be like, oh, that'll be fun. Let's put some cool ribbons on the chandelier this year, but I might not do it next year. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know. What about yeah. you, Bob? What about Bob? Uh, yeah, I like. Uh, there's been a lot of years when I got lazy and things didn't get up. Yeah, so I've quite, the, even though last <laughs> like year. Decorations, yeah, I hope you're talking actually, things about. Things got up in our house <laughs> right after Thanksgiving last year, but in previous years, it was like a week before Christmas and we procrastinated. And then we are typically uh, will leave things up until like sometimes February. Oh yeah, I think we've gone as long as March with the Christmas tree still oh, up. Oh, we're we're in the same family. Yeah, yeah. With no, some we, new DNA or something. Ours, yeah. ours comes down the day after New Year's. Oh, that's just too. That's too, too rigid. Soon. Yeah, too soon. I'm like ready to be you done with the whole like thing. And like, let's just move on. I've got to go travel to Dublin and enjoy like that kind of life. You know, let's just mm. be done. Yeah, you don't want to come back from Dublin and still have to deal with Christmas. You know, in your house. <laughs> no, right? I don't want. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's kind of it, to me that's always a clean start. All right, it is. Yeah. You know, it's the second of January. Everything's put away. My house is put back together. All right. I'm ready yeah. for what's ahead. And I know different people have different responses to the holidays. I know it's not a pleasant time for a lot of mm-hmm. people. But for me, I have, yeah, it's always been a really warm, nostalgic feeling. Mm-hmm. And I guess I had good memories. But I, I remember, and I just see if you guys or either of you have a similar experience. I just remember being a kid when I still believed in Santa Claus. And like, I remember oh, going to the spoiler mall. Spoiler alert. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I still oh, believe, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's so, because I'm a good girl and I still get presents in my stocking. Well. <laughs> She hasn't gotten on Santa's naughty list yet. She's working on yeah. it. <laughs> but I remember like going to the mall, and I'm sure by today's standards, it wasn't even highly decorated. But I remember just being in awe of being going down this trail, you know, heading to sit on Santa's lap and having the decorations. And it was all like magical yeah, to, to, to me. And I still remember that, was that feeling, you know, it's... Uh, There's excitement. It, it, yeah. I think magic is such, it's, it is the perfect word for it. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I, so I, I definitely recall going through some hard years um, mm-hmm. through various stages of my life. And when the holidays rolled around, like really having to work at keeping my joy yeah. in, in like keeping it there, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then I also remember kind of the hangover from a few years l- later after, after some of those various traumas happened and, and you're, you know, you're, you're associating them with that time and trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I reclaim this holiday and the spirit mm-hmm. of it? But I've, I've definitely fought for it and I haven't let, I haven't let those memories, um, shape, you Good. know, how I feel about it, obviously, because I'm, yeah. I'm the complete, um, extreme, but I, I definitely have uh, compassion for those who struggle during this time of year. Yeah, because, totally. Um, because it is a, a time of being around those that you love and, and good friendship and good conversation. And yeah, yeah I, I think for, for myself, one of my struggles with it is the fact that we did move around so much. And so my Christmas memories, all my favorite ones were, would be when my cousins or my grandparents, would, they would come visit us wherever we were living, you know, but there were many years it would just be, you know, the family, the, mm. the six of us, um, 
I remember, you know, recalling a lot of the, the I could feel the stress of from my parents on the financial burden of, mm-hmm. of Christmas um, and the gifts. I could remember that. And, and I even uh, experienced that myself as a single parent with three children. You know, my ex and I would alternate Christmas and whoever had Christmas also had to be Santa that year. Uh, spoiler alert for our listeners. Um, and so there was a because lot. Because your kids were naughty. And no. Santa didn't come. Well, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, if I didn't have them for Christmas, they were their dads. You know, it was yeah, like yeah. that, like that. But it was like, it's a lot of pressure. And there's a lot of, mm-hmm. um, a lot of uh, financial pressure at uh, because you think you have to, you, you have to give so much or, you know, I, um, so I, uh, there was a bit of a resentment to the holiday, mm-hmm. honestly, with the, not to the holiday, but to the commercialization and the expectation that people have mm. on the holiday. And that I, you know, as a parent, didn't want to disappoint. Um, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. And then I, I remember going through when I was going through chemo that, that year, I was not interested in putting any Christmas decorations up. I was feeling so bad. And I said to my kids, I'm like, so if you guys want a holiday, tree you got to put it up yourself and they didn't so it was like but and but we have our other little traditions like watching um the vicar of dibley on you know with uh don french and those are our little Mm. our little christmas traditions um and i really think through the years uh the four of us my my three kids and i have found ways to make it special and it doesn't have to be it doesn't it's a not commercial a commercial thing it's right? not commercial it's not material based, it's not material based. Yeah. so i i loved um as a child the laura ingalls wilder books mm-hmm. i don't know if you yeah read I've, them. I've got i've got the whole set I, yeah little house I on the prairie too. i'm bob yeah. i probably not. I probably had hardy boys or something right, right? yeah <laughs> i gotta yeah. say that too. i <laughs> love them and i i i loved hearing their Christmas story mm-hmm. on that and mm-hmm. and it's it's um you know they're they're cozied in it's cold and there's the fire and the snow mm. and and um they made the Christmas gifts for one another and and they definitely I mean winter came it was tough times mm-hmm. and uh, that you know they were they they struggled and um but they still you know through their dinner celebration together and through making homemade gifts for one another, um, that they knew, you know, that those gifts came from the heart, you know, and and that, that, you know, just, um, they, they were treasured. And I, I, I don't know. I just, to me, like, that's the thing I, I think about, um, is that, that, um, you know, I don't know, that kind of giving spirit where you're doing something creative and, you know, so, yeah. So I was my um, my mom's only child, and she raised me uh, as a as a single mom. So it was mm-hmm. just her and I. Like, yeah. um, she left my dad for good reasons when I was really young, and she uh, was in modest means. She never made a lot of money, and you know, I, I grew up in a like a shotgun apartment in a four family flat in Richmond Heights. But she always, uh, I guess, she knew Christmas, and she wanted to make it special for me. So she didn't have a lot of money to spend on gifts. But it was funny. She had this thing that she did where she would buy inexpensive gifts but like break them into like she would buy instead of like six pairs of socks she would individually wrap each pair so that there would be like a volume of gifts you know that I could tear open when I was when I was a kid um and that was really special so I I found myself doing that similar thing with my own daughter Mm -hmm. um and and we had traditions and so sadly yeah um my mom in, in this 
the spring of next year, it'll be 30 years since my mom passed away. Wow. Like, well, like half my life. Yeah, she was really young. Wow. Um, cancer? And, uh, yeah, her? it was cancer related. Yeah. Um, and she was, yeah, I, I've, out, I've actually out, outlived her by several years now. Yeah. yeah she was, you know, I, and I was just about to turn 30. She was just shy of 52. Um, oh, my God. And so, yeah. And so, so, so I have memories of, uh, Playing like the Elvis Presley Christmas album, oh, don't you the love Partridge that? Family mm. Christmas oh, album in the seventies yeah. were like things that were part of my childhood. And then there were tons of ornaments that she gave me over the years, and so they it reminded me of that too. I always bring those things out, so I feel connected with. And she was very organized. She actually, I still have boxes with her handwriting on it, where she labeled oh. stuff and who like this gift came from or what year it was. So every holiday season, I, I know I feel like she's there. You know, yeah, I'm re- I reconnected very... with those ornaments. I play the music every morning, Christmas oh, morning, yes. the Partridge Family album's playing, you know. I don't have so. that one, but I'm going to have to check it out. I, I love yeah. the Elvis one. I love the Carpenters. Christmas? Oh, my God, yeah. the Carpenters Christmas is... I, 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 the album, The Chipmunks, is our favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, again, I mean, I have, you know, I have three kids. My yeah. my uh, experience of Christmas is from, you know... Of course. Yeah. most recently has been as a parent yeah you know yeah that um, makes sense but i you know i still make the same breakfast that my mother would make for us every christmas morning and my daughter when she's uh what do you make it is um uh eggs and sausage and green peppers i'm no, sorry and uh, green chili and croissants and cheese and it's just delightful um and i make that uh Christmas morning, and my daughter, when she has not been with us on Christmas, or she will call and she's like, "Now, how do I make this?" So she makes the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we still we, maybe we'll have to share that recipe. That recipe? Oh well, we could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. You know, I know I'll do a Julia Childs and actually like make it for everybody. You know, we'll do one of those. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't want to you know spend the whole conversation oh, on yeah. the holiday well i'm now. actually interested in talking to you bob about you know the the, the initial connection here the improv space like mm-hmm. how did you get into that um so i'm very blessed that my life has been i've been I was drawn to the arts early on maybe this ties into being i was i was I, Raised by my mom, and so I have, and so you know, I don't know if it ties in again. I you don't have a specific theme for the podcast, right. but I have a I have a very strong female role model in my life, very loving parent, um, and maybe it's because I didn't have the, like I was, uh, and so I was I was always awkward at sports. Yeah, like I was eager to play sports when I was like in grade school, early 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 on, but I was bad at it, and I got so made fun of that I, it just turned me off to, <laughs> at, to why should I do something there? So I said. Well, what do I have control over? And it was the art. I would I would do painting, and I was attracted to music and writing. Um, and so, uh, and being an only child, I would come. My mom worked, so I would come home from school, and she would still be at work. So I had to entertain and occupy myself. And I found and you my, didn't have Netflix. Then. I did not. Have, I didn't have a <laughs> cell phone or iPad, big screen TV. There was some cool shows on on uh, afternoon on, on TV, on yeah. ABC but yeah. but yeah so I because of all those factors I was drawn to creative things and so the longest running ones are actually music uh, and the written words. So music I would play early on uh, and learn to play the guitar like in middle school then got really serious about it in high school but also was interested in the, in the written word um, and uh, 
those things came together for the first time in uh, in the eighties. I was kind of like in my mid twenties, and I uh, and I got this crazy idea to to, to publish a, a, a news a, a, like a local magazine that covered the St. Louis music scene. And older people in St. Louis might remember Spotlight Magazine. It covered music in, in, in here in this town for ten years, from eighty seven to ninety seven. Wow. Um, but along the way, I was drawn to other areas of the arts. I did stand up. Like, yeah, nineteen eighty five. I um, did a number of things at the same time. I started doing like play, yeah, 85, yeah, like plays. I, I took some acting classes, started doing theater. I went to my first open mic night at the Funny Bone and did stand-up comedy off and on for many years. But I first did improv in 85, and it's because um, some fr- some theater friends uh, of mine who I was, was in plays with, we were both fans of Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And we knew that they all had backgrounds in improv. We'd heard of this thing called Second City, and so we would kind of play around with it, and then there was a well, then we ended up forming our own troupe. It was called the Way Off Broadway Players. The Way Off. Way Off Way Broadway. Off. <laughs> it was, and it was a kind of a spoof of uh, Saturday Night Live called, they called themselves the Not Ready for Primetime yeah. Players. Um, and you, this club called Off Broadway is still down on Lemp. Yeah, it is. You know, it's still yeah. active. Yeah. Right. I've been there in years, but I know it's still going. Still, yeah. still going. But I did a weekly comedy show there in like 85 and 86. Did you really? I did. And I, it was half stand-up comedy. And then when I got the improv troupe, we performed after the stand-up comics so that's where i got kind of famous cut or cut my no yeah <laughs> what about that cut my teeth on improv and stand up and um and then i just kind of got hooked yeah it was a bug that i had um and actually that example of that show coming about is kind of like it's really weird like sometimes people have like how your your traits like you always wonder is it nature is it nurture you know mm-hmm. and so sometimes you're influenced by role models in your environment you know and you want um, but I really didn't like my mom great parent but she wasn't she was kind of a shy person I don't remember having any entrepreneurial role models in my life so I don't know where this came from but I've always maybe speak being an only child and having to make you know to think for yourself yeah. Yeah, you, you were you were playing in, games all yeah at home after school you were you had to, I, I you didn't had rely to on somebody else to, yeah. Yeah, to make things happen yeah. i can create my you were own living in your imagination but that but that comedy night is one example that's repeated in many areas uh, in, uh, of my of my life so i was going to open mic nights and like a lot of the comics would complain open micers go oh, we can't you can get like four or five minutes you know every week and you can even go get on every week and so it's very and you got to spend a lot of time on stage to hone that skill of stand-up. Right. You have to yeah. bomb a lot from what I understand, you, yeah. too, which I think has got to be the hardest thing in stand-up comedy is that there's so much failure at the onset of it. You yeah. know, like... You know, you know, we're, we're and you're by we yourself. This, you suck on your. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I mean, if they're if you are with your improv group and you all suck that yeah. night, it's like it's easier to share that that disappointment. But if you're just by yourself mm-hmm. and that rejection yeah. can be, it's the most challenging thing you'll ever do in front of an audience for the most part. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. that and and dancing yeah, for money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that that era when I did Chippendales. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about that. That's 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 one thing I have not done. That, that <laughs> those thirty five. <laughs> Minutes yeah. when you were a Chippendales dancer, exactly. <laughs> but uh, so, the, so, so a lot of the comics would uh, would complain about, well, we can't get any stage time. The Funny Bone should do this, or you know, these venues, you know, just complain about it. So, 
looking back on it, I realized I asked myself a better question. It's like, what do I want out of the situation? I need more stage time. Oh, yeah. And, and stand-up is different than like writing or painting. You can hone your craft in, in alone in, your, in obscurity, and then you bring it out to the public. But you can only get that. You have to be in front of a live audience to, to do stand-up or to do improv or theater. Right, right. Because uh, you have to get that feedback to know whether the jokes are working or not. So I asked myself, what do I want? I want more stage time. Okay, let's ask a better question. How do I get more stage time? I had just met, a friend of mine was bartending at the time at Off-Broadway, and I'd met the owners, and I went down there, and I said, what do you do here on Wednesday nights? She goes, well, we're open, but not, not many people come in. We usually don't have any bands. So I said, what if I organized a weekly comedy show? I'll emcee it. I'll bring in the talent. You charge, it won't cost you anything. Charge five bucks at the door. I'll take that money, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, and then I'll bring some people in. Hopefully, they'll buy stuff, you know? And I said, great, let's try it. And we did that for, like, good a year and a half. Oh, so it worked. So I, it was yeah. like it was yeah. like when Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland yeah. had this idea. It was like, let's put on a play. My uncle has a barn. In a barn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. And let's sing. Yeah. It's kind of like that. So it's like, it was an early lesson, and like I, I can create my own opportunities. I don't want that to look like waiting for permission from someone else or trying to beg and prove that you're worthy. You know, it's like so. I, you, you may notice this independent streak. You know, yeah. I, I do everything kind of independently. Well, I think yeah. I think St. Louis is a great place to be able to create what you want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there there are those established areas or establishments or, you know, like institutions of comedy mm-hmm. or or theater, mm-hmm. but it we have so many great smaller tiny theater companies that are doing cutting edge things, you know, they find their own stage and and other people, you know, you just have you can create what you want in St. Louis. Right. I, I love that about our town. I, I don't think it's It's limited. not saturated. Right, yeah. I don't think it's limited to St. Louis. I really don't. I think it's it's just a matter of, like what you're talking about, Bob, of of having the idea and the gumption to say, this yeah. is what I want, and going out there and do it, doing it. You know, they've, I, before I was here, I was in a smaller city, and, and um, yes, there's more theater companies here than there were in Peoria, Illinois, which I came from um but the thirst is still there there's still a community yeah. there for it and so and likewise if you go into a bigger market than where we are from here mm-hmm. you know there's going to be even more of it and but there's always a place for you and i think yeah. it's just about having that entrepreneurial spirit to yeah. go out there and well, try it and also to piggyback on what you said not sitting there and just complaining that you're not getting something changing the changing their um your perception on it and say, what do I want and how do I get there? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. most people, when they aspire to do something, they look at the existing entities. So actors right. look for, oh, where are their auditions for the theater companies? Uh, yeah. Freelance writers go, oh, I'm going to pitch this idea to the Post or the Riverfront Times. You know, you can apply that to any uh, field. Um, and that's cool. And most people take that route. But for some reason, it was it never did. I just didn't like the idea of waiting and getting rejection letters and all this. And, I, and not everyone is cut out to do this. And I don't really think of myself as being special. or I wasn't a particularly extrovert. I, mean, I was a very kind of you know shy kid and all, and all this stuff. But I just was felt compelled. So where, where did that innate thing come mm-hmm. from i don't know but i've always said well heck i'll just how can i make this happen you know with maybe maybe it's the only child independent thing you know or, do you think you're an extrovert now i am uh so i think i'm an amnivert yeah so oh, i think uh yeah am ambi like ambidextrous is it ambivert amb- amb- it's an ambivert right yeah so it's a combination yeah so uh um um 
in certain certain situations, I yeah, I, I have this crazy uh, nice balance of I don't know if it's right and left brain or or, or whatever, but I I do enjoy being in front of an audience, performing music, getting a response from the audience. Um, and it used to be more of in a self-serving, you know, maybe early on, I was like, oh, I love being in the spotlight. But, but the <laughs> older I get, and for deck for a long time now, um, it's really about like, to, it's, what better way to serve humanity than to deliver laughter, to mm-hmm. deliver joy, to deliver people like getting up and dancing or whatever the thing is, whether it's music or, or comedy. And so it's like I'm serving people. I'm get, I enjoy it. And if I make money doing it, which I've been self-employed in the arts, it's another thing that's worth mentioning here for yeah. over for much of my life, but for certainly last since 2004, is that 15 years? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Um, that's great. And so, uh, so you went through like an economic downturn, and yet we're still able to keep yourself employed in the arts, yeah. which is phenomenal. Yeah, it's been. A- been a roller coaster ride, and you have to kind of shift, and and uh, maybe we can talk about YouTube and how that's come up a, a about. But yeah, I always like it's like how can I make this happen uh, on my own terms, find my own venue, uh, and how can I monetize it and not buy into the starving artist, struggling artist stigma. When you know? did, so speaking of YouTube, you just threw it out there, so I'm going to grab onto it for sure. a second because I know that you've had some success on YouTube mm-hmm. um, with uh, another one of your ventures, or. or not ventures, more inspirations. Yeah, yeah. Um, d- d- did that, the rise in YouTube come about during that time when things were shifting um, economically and people were trying to find a different way to get their voice out? Like, where d- there's obviously a parallel that you see there because you yeah. threw it out. So I'm interested in learning about that a little sure. bit. Sure, yeah, I could go down the rabbit hole of YouTube. So give the, uh, for those of people that don't know, we talked a little bit about improv and music. And so basically, yeah, I've been immersed in the arts as a creator or whatever, uh, as a uh, producer or whatever yeah well also, know, you're yeah. Uh, all of it yeah. because you have to be if you yeah. are the in, you are the entrepreneur you are the artist you are mm-hmm. the actor you are the comedian you, it, you don't have an agent you have to do it all yeah. so you you are all of that you but are then, the omna omnipresence omna, <laughs> omna artist omna yeah. artist but yeah. also one thing we didn't mention is, one, is for those people that don't know is I'm also an author in addition to being a writer I've got oh, 15 I've, yeah, I've, I've, never, I've never heard about the I'm books not, that you've written I'm not going to drop her name. You know, there's an inside joke there. But I've published 15 physical books over the years and a ton of other... Inf- but I call self-published it, them. Most of the... Yeah, two titles were, were published by other companies okay. years ago that have since gone out of business. Uh, but everything... Again, I took the independent route. How do I do this on my own? My newspaper, I published with no previous experience. Um, yeah, just, I can, the list goes on and, and on. And I embraced technology and the internet early on. I had... You know, was using email to spread my message with... with when people are like, just yeah. fax it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah facts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and for those of you who don't know, Bob still uses email yeah. to the fullest extent that email is allowed. So, so real quickly, I and went, he will yeah, get yeah. your email address before this show is over. He will he will work it out, and you will be sending him your email address so you can be put on his list. That's right. Let me give you a website right now to go to. Uh, no, but just real quickly, yeah. So I uh, so that that ten year period that I published the newspaper, I started publishing a column in it a monthly column uh, that was like called the musical success tips or something like that. So I was, I was, a, I had my own vehicle, my own platform with a print publication. So I would, I had this, these, um, these articles, um, uh, newspapers in other cities that were similar to mine 
caught wind of these articles and asked if I could start, they could start running these articles in there. So even before the internet, I was kind of like syndicated organically by them asking. So I was starting mm-hmm. to appear in other cities. Then I got an email and started um, building an email list and any of the early music websites that wanted to, in the 90s, that wanted to run my articles, I would give them, you know, I would freely give them out to spread my message. So um, so I've been embracing all this technology. So I st- I've been blogging since 2004. I, I did my first podcast. I still a podcast. I did, I, but I uh, in 2005. I well, if you ever need some uh, some uh, great uh, guests, I know Emily <laughs> yeah. and I oh, are happy to. If you need, to, if be you need a to. guest on your podcast, oh, I would happy. You know, <laughs> yes, I, yeah, and I. I've only had. It'll s- be the seaside. Yeah, the seaside, the sea section. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that no, would be a little no, painful. No, well, that, to, yeah, that, that's that's well, too so cutting edge. Yeah. So it's, dun, dun. it's it's clear that you've you've definitely been an yeah. innovator. You've been looking at every possible channel and way to get your voice out there, which yeah, yeah. is really commendable. And this is something that. You know, women, I think we it's a lesson we can learn from the B-sides because the men are well, so often like, yes. Well, just a, f- a couple things that Bob said was, you yeah. know, like this this person contacted me. They wanted to run my article. And the very difference is, is that Bob did let them run the article for money. Uh- well, right. well they, they ran it for free. No, I mean, they, yeah, but but I got exposure, uh, and then it built my. And I think I had a. a but you some, found a way yeah. to monetize that, which yeah. is something that women were so often like. We oh, give things away. Yeah, just yeah. You know, oh, it's all right. You just go. It's fine. You take that. Yeah. It's good as, and we. We right. have to. We do. We're, we're, we do. But so, so that is something I think men are better at recognizing their value. And see, when when the moment comes along to, yes, we're going to do this, but then how do I level this up for myself? Mm-hmm. You know, that is something that innately I think men are better at. Well, even we like are. your your uh, comedy weekly comedy show at Off Broadway, I'd have been like, oh, I'll just pay you guys to let me be on <laughs> right, the stage. Yeah. Right. How much, you know? how much would it cost you- to rent your space? You know, the, me, right? the admission at the door. Like we would be like, oh, and we'll share that with you. Yeah, you know, yeah. No. and um, like, and we'll like we'll, we'll give you stuff too. And, right, yeah, right. And we got yeah. So it's like, wow. oh, note to self, charge mm-hmm. people. But I, I think, but there, I think men are yeah guilty of that too. And and in recent, well, over the years, I've. Uh, there's been a ton of entrepreneurial women that have yeah stepped up online and there's and like yeah. the podcasts there's uh, coaches and just people that I follow like Marie Forleo and oh, I others love her. she's great yeah that that yeah. are really uh, I think it's, I think it's wonderful um, so but yeah so, but your oh, YouTube channel is so, pretty so, high now so, so I got so I got on you I've actually been on YouTube for 13 years I got on in 2006 and the way I describe it is that for the first decade I was just kind of half-assing it I was you know I was putting videos up on all of my various interests there was things related to my books related to comedy related to music and so on and I was just kind of using it as a you know warehouse of stuff a repository of yeah, a Bob re- Baker a, re- a repository is that yeah. yeah a repository of Bob Baker not a suppository oh, it was a suppository yeah <laughs> That's a repository, but a repository. Yeah, I was <laughs> inserting all of my uh, my best stuff on YouTube. Um, but, but, my publishable stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
but it wasn't uh, very focused, and so. But I still managed over the decade to accumulate maybe four thousand subscribers, which is respectable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that was like three years we ago. We have thirty-five. Do you, oh, on, yeah. on YouTube, <laughs> we have thirty-five oh, wow. subscribers on YouTube. Oh, I'm a little embarrassed to mention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but we're growing. Okay. We're growing. I think. I, <laughs> think, I think the think focus the here about like me, like actually narrowing. You know, right yeah. now is a repository for us. Like, too. Yeah. I, yeah. I've given you a couple Three. tips. I'd be happy to give more yeah, yeah. advice on how to, how to make that. So. Uh, uh, those three years ago, I started experimenting with YouTube and just like playing. I became more like fascinated with it. Um, and I, uh, so I've been a big fan of uh, our, uh, personal de- development and, and then more and more over the years, even delving into spirituality a bit. Um, but certainly felt, I mean, everything P- Tony Robbins, Wayne Dyer, Louise mm-hmm. Hay, I was fun following all these people and many, many more through books. And, and so I was seeking out guided meditations and um, uh, I was a fan or, or proponent or whatever of, af- of affirmations and I was seeking this out as a consumer uh, and I was quite often unhappy with what I was finding and I was using I, I, I used YouTube to seek out a lot of spoken word actually mm, okay. and you can find a lot of it on there not just stuff that you can watch so um so it's one of those classic kind of entrepreneurial things where I'm not happy with what I'm finding heck I think I can I can create stuff because I've been using my voice. I mean, ever since I was a kid, again, I was spending all those hours alone. By yourself, I would, in I would the make, closet. I would make sounds. <laughs> I remember my mom actually for one. I must have been my birthday or a holiday. Got me a little reel to reel, like a mini reel to reel. They had those. Yeah, back then. Wow. Yeah. And I remember, I remember being in my room, like making animal sounds, like recording all this goofy, like jungle noises and all. They going, <laughs> you know, and, and I and I and I caught her on the recording. So she said, "Shut up," or whatever. Your mom. I, I I played it back for her and we cracked up. Um, But so, and I remember watching the impersonators or impressionists on the night, the talk shows and doing Richard Nixon and stuff back then. So, and then in bands, I played in in covers bands a lot. I always like to challenge of mimicking the person's voice. So I'm very, I've been using my voice my entire life. Yeah. And so I know how to. As you can tell here, I'm like pretty smooth on the microphone, right? Yeah, you, just, you just know how to bring it down. I'll bury white on us here, you know, on the clearly speaking the podcast. Yeah. So I said, I, I think I can make better. I think I can. I'm going I'm to make the type of stuff that I'm seeking out and I can't find. And I started posting it on YouTube and it got some early, not huge. It wasn't like a big viral thing mm-hmm. right off the bat, but it yes, got well. it got more views than my normal stuff on music marketing and all this other stuff that I was doing. And um, and I said, hmm. And I got fat. I I became obsessed, really, with YouTube <laughs> and started researching and uh, learning best practices. And how many followers do you have now? So now, yeah, so it was 4,000 like three years ago. Uh, I'm actually uh, about, I'm around, I'm about to hit 99,000. And within the next week or so, I'm going to hit a coveted milestone of 100,000 okay. subscribers. Okay, well, congratulations. Wow. And, wow. Yeah. and do they comment on your things too? Tons. I mean, every day. It's, it's kind of mind-boggling. Do you, I get, like, ma- do you manage the, the responses to yeah, it? Or? I, I have my channels, because there's a lot of spammers out there, people okay. that they're trying to get, uh, and so I, I actually have to approve comments so I every I mean multiple times a day I'm logging in and approving but it's okay. and I plus it's just it's it's such a, a cool thing and I'm reaching like this whole new very engaged fan base around the world that is just uh, that consumes my because this stuff lends itself to repeated listenings mm-hmm. like get every sure. day I get a comment like I listen to you every morning Bob you know or, or like, I, I it, think that's what's amazing about this digital age is yeah. how accessible people are you know I I I was in a, a work meeting the other day and you know I was I was consulting with a client and we were talking about 
you know, him trying to contact uh, other other CEOs in his space. And it's kind of like, have you thought about just looking them up on social media and like Set sending a, a message? Mentions. Like mm-hmm. and, LinkedIn message. And it was so the the aha was like and, and then I, I tossed it out like that's how we met. Like I looked you up on LinkedIn and we met through mm-hmm. that way. And and the same thing, like we have a future guest for the podcast that, you know, great following on Instagram and I I found her and she's this amazing woman and I was like oh my God, I want to meet her. And I just sent a message and sure enough, she messaged back. And mm-hmm. so that's what's amazing to me about this digital age is that that we're all, we're all we can be, it's not just for us. the dating app, you I, know, right. it's not, you can it's swipe a, right and swipe left on other things too, yeah. you so know. Everyone has access to the tools, but not everyone uses them in the certain, in the same way. So you kind of have to be smart about how you There's use, science you use them. It. Yeah. Yeah. And I worked, yeah, my butt, I wasn't like a chance thing. I worked my butt. I saw some early indications that this stuff was kind of, was gaining an audience and gaining views. And then I just doubled down on it, experimented. I had to find my niche, which I, is in morning affirmations were the things that I'm most known for morning affirmations. Cause those are people channels that blow up and they do guided meditations. They do mm-hmm. sleep affirmations There's, sure. and all this stuff. But morning affirmations is my hot spot. So you, you <laughs> split tested it. Well, yeah, found your kind of, niche. Kind of there sort, you go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and topics like abundance, uh, success, confidence, gratitude. Those are kind of hot topics. Sure. With me. Everybody's looking to make, make more money. So abundance and money related things are always popular. Here's an interesting thing. Maybe you can shed some light on this, although I think I kind of know. Uh, you, When you go into the, your analytics or your dashboard as a creator on yeah. YouTube, they give you tons, tons of, information. of information. It's amazing. So uh, close to 70% of my viewers are female. That doesn't um, surprise me. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I'm a big hit with the ladies. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. Right. And I wonder, you know, I mean, if we, could, we could look at, you know, uh, you were searching out affirmations mm-hmm. and you created them. But I, I don't know, in your circle of, you know, guy friends, how many, um, well, I would say, let's say in your history of guy friends, because yeah. your current circle is is probably more similar. Spiritual, spiritual yeah, yeah, whatever. And similarly yeah. aligned that way. But, like, how many can you recall that it was all about, you know, bettering and, and, yeah. and, and improvement and, 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 you know. Well, can I tack on to this for a sure, second sure. here? Because I think this ties into an earlier point we were talking about, Michelle, where guys inherently know they're worth something and know that, hey, you're going to charge $5 at the door, I get all of it. Whereas women, we're not necessarily, uh, we're not necessarily, um, yeah, we don't understand that that's not right away. That's not the but first. But I think that that ties in into mind. the uh, right. I don't. I think that that ties into this af- need for affirmations. Mm-hmm. You know, is that the affirmations help us women understand that mm. we deserve it. We we are something that's special, and that good things should come to us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't surprise mm. me that your audience is a little. It's a, it's a alert, little female side. St- I mean, I guess we kind of yeah, a little stereotypical, maybe to, to say this, but maybe guys are traditionally known as you know, I'm going to make things happen. I'm mm-hmm. going to be strategic about it, and it's more about the goal setting and the planning and the taking action. Where, sitting quietly 
or actually a lot of my stuff is not actually the, the mellow stuff that you can listen while you drive and jog and walk and they're a little bit more upbeat than the typical zen lotus position thing yeah. you know? but still uh, maybe uh, men maybe sort of think that that's a little too touchy feely for them sure. and they need something more you know Tough. yeah where maybe women are more need, well there you go that. maybe yeah. you need to do you're gonna kill it today yeah. you're you gonna be, be you're gonna need to be in your uh, football pads out <laughs> on the field yeah. <laughs> it's not my style <laughs> right you're gonna reach that goal so it reminds me a friend of mine who's an artist said something really interesting to me i'm gonna maybe i can get your take on this but she said she said somehow it came up where she referenced me and said bob Selman seems like he's in touch with his feminine side or something like like that but you're yeah you're you're kind of got a good masculine feminine mix kind you're kind of in a any she said in a metrosexual Kind of way, kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of sure. way. Do you see that, or what does that m- mean? <laughs> I would not to i i I would not call you a metrosexual. Yeah. Um. But then, and the idea of to me a metrosexual, it looks in an accent completely different than than you do. I think you are enlightened. Mm-hmm. I think you and are sensitive. Sensitive. I think you are open. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. I think you are um, compassionate and concerned for the humanity, for your world. Um, So I I don't think... We need a new adjective It needs to just be the Bob Baker, right? Right. Um, Definitely. Definitely Yeah, yeah. we 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 definitely have... It's so great. Our sound engineer saw that we had empty glasses and was like queuing up the music he's like i can see they're empty it's time to go to break which we are going to do so we can refresh our glasses and we will come right back Glasses. Thank goodness gracious. Oh I was getting gosh. so parched earlier. I know. You could see my face was getting all I, gaunt. You, you were thirsty. I was thirsty. Yeah. Cotton mouth. Yeah. And I think my <laughs> French accent is improving as I drink more and more of the French wine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We might need another bottle for it to be perfect. Yes. But I appreciate where it's where it's We're gonna have to call you Robert. Roberto. And Robert. I will have to make a croissant for everyone. <laughs> That's a horrible French. I my apologies to every French person out there who's listening. <laughs> so what I what I found fascinating, Bob, is when we were on break, you were like, I see those stereotypes that we were talking about. Oh, the women's stereotypes yeah, about us giving everything away? Yeah, differently. And, and mm-hmm. I'm curious about that. So yeah, so I know the typical thing is, yeah, men are hard charging and they know their value and they stand up for what they want and women are more demure or whatever or, or kind of, you know, well, I'll come in and I'll pay you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there's tons of examples like that. That's the stereotype. And I guess... I don't think it's people I hate. I, I, and so maybe I've dealt with for decades being a creative person myself. My books are geared for musicians and creative people. So I'm mainly probably basing this on people involved in the arts in particular because they tend to be my fan base and my friends too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a ton of guys 
that don't value their their worth. I mean, that's just an I think it's a human struggle. And so and it's, it's, it's interesting. So it they're... isn't just limited to females. No, totally. what you're saying. Totally not, yeah. And I've seen a lot of hard-charging women, too, and gruff kind of, you know, come on, boys, let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm smoking a cigarette. Um, who are really you – know, it's, it's, it's interesting that regardless of the gender um, – so we all, I think we all go through life uh, with some – there's some little voice inside that's like you're not worthy you know and so we we respond to that voice in different in different ways and some people will will use it and 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 play small Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. like oh i'm just like who am i to think i'm a writer who do i think Mm -hmm. i'm an artist and so they never really pursue their dreams or very vocal or are they looking for permission from somebody else to pursue their dreams they want to be they want to be deemed worthy you know as as opposed to that coming from and it's a it's a we all struggle with it, and it's it's a it, your life's work is to is to uh, root that out. You know, um, what was I going to say about that? Um, so, uh, oh, but but sometimes people will overcompensate. Like some people who are like arrogant sure. and like walk into the room like they're the you know are actually don't. They're, it's like almost like an overcompensation for the lack of worth. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah. yeah. We call that Napoleon complex. Oh, is it? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Napoleon or peacocking, or peacocking. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, he's compensating for something, overcompensating yeah. for something, yeah. Because the because the arrogance obvious. is, yeah, the mm-hmm. arrogance is over the top. Yeah, you can usually it's offensive arrogance. It. Yeah, but I've seen that on both sides of the <laughs> the gender aisle, and then I know now there's, multi- there's yeah. various mm-hmm. definitions of gender. And it's and it's not just gender aisle; it's also class aisle. Like there's yeah. like you know that that kind of these issues go across all areas of economics and and has that kind of remained consistent throughout your experience with people i mean you know you've been in the business for a while yeah uh has it, or is it more recent that you're seeing these maybe things maybe especially in the online world more recently because there are a number of hard charging women like I said role models for female entrepreneurs like marie forleo i'm trying right. to think of others there's a ton there's a ton of them and names that escape me a um, ton of women that are experts in social media and entrepreneurship um, that are just kicking ass, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, at least when they're on camera, they're confident and they, you know, they're encouraging it right, and you right. go for your dreams and all this stuff. Um, and then at the, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the men who are like sitting in a lotus position and going, welcome to my ashram. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> and all that, you know, maybe I hang around with some of those people, you know. So I see the full range and I don't know if I'm, gender blind to that um but i i like yeah i, I think there's a lot, plenty to go around the spectrum oh that's great yeah yeah i like that that's the observation that you're seeing that there's yeah. things are i don't know homogenized isn't the right word but things are the the, the lines are it's not so black and white, yeah. you know. Maybe it is getting more, uh, yeah, even keeled, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe years ago or decades ago, that was the, uh, yeah. Well, probably yeah. because years ago and decades ago, it wasn't allowed to be anything but the stereotypical mm-hmm. perception of a man and a woman. You know, um, if, if a man had given any sort of indication of a of a more artistic, creative side, he would have a been... A feminine side. A feminine side, he would have been, you know, labeled a dandy or you know yeah. like you know uh you know right. a, a, a perpetual bachelor kind of thing you know and 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 also in the women right mm-hmm. how could you how you, know, you had to fit a certain idea 
to be accepted into society. So sure. I think I, I applaud the fact that our society has moved into a, a more accepting. It can be very more, much more confusing because you're right. like, all right, I, I don't want to offend because I need to make sure I use the right terminology here. But um, it, I think it allows for more creativity to come through yeah, yeah. because there's not, there's and not, more progress. there's less, there's less suppression, less mm-hmm. oppression. It's just yeah. the oppression. Letting, letting people be authentic and true to themselves. Right. You know, which is, it's only going to be good, good fodder for, um, you know, who they're supposed to be and develop the, the talents I mean, that just are Just think about uh, the great, the great um, products, the great um, art, the great songs, the great podcasts. Uh, <laughs> like this one. Like this one. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to come because mm-hmm. the people, um, our fellow hum- humans, true. Yeah. are getting to be who they, who they are. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a big part of my mission. And actually, really, anyone who's, you're doing it through your podcast, really anyone who's like, um, I'm really expressing themselves, it's almost like we're all in the service of encouraging others to do the same thing. We're just doing it through our unique lens or in our own unique ways. Um, but that's a big part of my mission is my life. I live my life as an example of what's possible. And I like to think, hopefully I inspire others to know, Oh, if Bob can do it. I mean, anybody yeah. can do it. Oh my God, Michelle, mean, we've yeah. got a good thing. Oh my yeah. God, <laughs> you know, as soon as we get to 36 subscribers on YouTube, I mean, we're giving yeah. Bob a run for his money. Um, <laughs> Look out. <laughs> I knew Bob yeah. always was a little worried when he'd, when we were behind him. Oh, there's Emily and Michelle. <laughs> you want to hear another little philosophical take on self-improvement? It's a lot. So a lot of what I, the thread that runs through all this crazy stuff that I do is, is inspiration, um, positivity, and then laughter and lightheartedness is where, oh, the, where the improv is. So they nice. all kind of meld together. So I inspire people to, especially creatively, or just to be yourself as much as you can, uh, express Scratch that creative itch that you have, and then if you hone that crap, like you don't, not everyone in that that paints or writes has to be a best-selling author, or you don't have to even publicly display it. But if you feel the urge to create something, there's so many people that qualify. Like, like, oh, what do you do? And they go, well, I'm a writer, but well, I'm not really a professional. Or like, they, they start not downplaying what they're doing. And I go, I don't care if you're a professional. Do you enjoy writing? Oh, you're a writer. You know, great. Yeah. Um, so. Just do the thing that you feel compelled to to do. Then, if you hone it and you want to take it to the next level, then then it's a then you start sharing it with the world, which is a whole psychological battle that a lot of people have. Feel vulnerable. That's one thing about artists yeah. as compared to somebody that sells cars or whatever. Yeah, it's like a part of yourself. Well, see, this yeah, is this is what's true. leading to my question. So you. You know, I, I, I often, when I'm talking to somebody for the first time, mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, everybody's so quick to be sharing the story of what they do, right? Not who they are. And so I mm-hmm. often ask about what's the very favorite thing you do. Mm-hmm. But here, you've actually made your life become your professional life also by doing the thing that you love to do, Mm -hmm. your favorite thing. So I guess my question is to you, (laughs) like, 
Is there something that's a favorite thing that you do that isn't something that's a part of your monetized world? Your Bob Baker right. empire. Oh, I, or, think, I have or, to make money from everything. <laughs> <laughs> Did he not mention earlier that he was yeah. a self-employed artist? Yeah, yeah, no, no. no, I know <laughs> so, what you mean, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I like, like get walks in nature, you know, getting out and walking in nature. You know, that's something you monetize. And not everything I even Unless do Unless you take a group with you and yeah. charge them for the yeah, walk. Yeah, there's an idea. <laughs> Or Instagram it and get a meet oh, up on the hikes. Yeah. And- <laughs> you could walk around the trail at Creevecore Park with Bob Baker for a price. Yeah, see, there <laughs> you go. There um, you. So I'm thinking of uh, examples. Um, no, I'm just yeah. curious. Do you think that that's that? I don't know. I, I is this a thing where like if you are a person who's lucky enough to actually make your life at the thing you love, are there still things that you love that you're not? You know that you reserve for just for yourself. You reserve for your own. So, some if you ask me what are some of my favorite memories or fondest memories, it's usually hanging out with friends and like laughing together spontaneously, like as opposed to a show where you go in. We're trying to you you know, but just sitting around a table and like an unexpected gathering of people. Like recently, I went to. this uh, conference, you mentioned it actually during the break. It's called uh, CD Baby Music uh, DIY Musician Conference. It was in Austin. And uh, I often run into people that I've known since I've been involved in this area with my books for, for decades. And we and one of the first days there, I just kept running into people. And I had this uh, – I started inviting people. Hey, we're going to be going to lunch. Um, and I ended up with these people from my different areas of my life – and, and some of them had done some really cool things in music, but they had never met each other. And so there was this unexpected – we went to a restaurant that was quiet. <laughs> we could hear each other. And I, I felt like I was holding forth in court or whatever. And I go, I'm going to go around the room. I'm going to tell each of you about each of these people. And they were like really cool stories and that I was able to – You were connecting folks. Yeah. And it was just – just And we were laughing and it was just comfortable and natural. And so that – I'm not going to be tra- – I don't make any money for that. <laughs> um, well, this time, but yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. you're thinking of a way. Yeah. yeah. No, if I would recorded that conversation, I could have sold the download. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. You know, yeah. yeah to me, times but, I spent, but you know, yeah. but sometimes when you're just doing things authentically for other folks, it yeah. does pay. Back. You do get the return in other ways. Mm-hmm. You know, not everything has to be. You oh, know, no. uh, dollar for dollar. Yeah, and not, and anybody who pursues creativity has to make money from it. That's why I always, yeah, they, because they, you, got, they, you got to feed that creative spirit, yeah. and that doesn't always come from money. Right, but if you want to be self-employed, like I like my self-employed status, and I get nervous if the money's you know gets too. So I have to be strategic in making sure that okay, well, these are the various things I have available to me. I got books, I've got I've done coaching, I've done I got improv yeah, shows, you, you know all these things. And so what what do I you know, look? I, I look at the numbers and I go well, okay, what do I need to beef up to make sure that I'm paying my yeah. monthly bills and so you have to it's a combination of flow and creativity but being strategic about it um, but no you don't have to monetize everything certainly not but just enough to stay <laughs> right. self-employed stay yeah. right right and, and hopefully have a surplus and what's nice is that um, you know sitting here talking with you Bob is that as you describe you know even like the strategy with it and like the balance and find the mix nothing ever comes across that you resent it that you resent oh. the fact that you have to you know put things together in unique ways every month, you know, and some people, you know, if that can be very, very hard for them and that's a lot of pressure, you know, and they'd be like, okay, then your, your art is going to be your art, 
because you want to make it, not because you're going to try to live off of it. Mm -hmm. And I know you've heard like experts go, you want to have a job where you get out of bed. You can't wait to get out of bed, you know. And I have moments of exhilaration like that. But I got to (laughs) admit, my day-to-day existence is not, oh, my God, I can't wait to make this next YouTube video. But when I stop for a second and think about I could be sitting in rush hour traffic. I could be sitting in a cubicle, you know. And I generally enjoy creating these things, like the YouTube videos or whatever it is, or doing improv classes and shows. Um, yeah, the comparison is like, yeah. So you don't have to be like exhilarated every moment, um, but you just have to enjoy it and get feel like you be, you develop some area of expert, some level of expertise with it. Yeah. You know? Well, um, I think what's cool is that you have a good mix. You have the solitary activities of making mm-hmm. your YouTube videos, posting them up there, but you also have the improv. You are you are getting human contact yeah. um, in a variety of ways, as opposed to somebody that might feel like I I'll, I I I want to be a writer, but I don't know if I can be that solitary, right. right? So you have to find a way to balance that you still have human connection. You know, um, right. because it's important because human connection feeds the creative juices too. Totally, yeah. And community is, I mean, it's all part of like well being yeah. and, and mental health and all that. And so, yeah, I, I, if I was just a writer, I know there are people who are just writers. Like, I'm crazy that I have so many, I have my hands on so many creative <laughs> things. But there's some people who just focus, and it probably makes sense, that they just focus on being a writer or being a painter. And if I had to spend that many hours alone just working, I would go a little cr- crazy. <laughs> And climb on the wall. So I need that mix, that yeah, balance. You yeah, know? yeah. Too much of one. If I was always on stage, it would be overwhelming. Right. Or we always at parties or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the it's the it's the cast party afterwards that yeah. you just can't you can't handle anymore. I love cast parties. But it's, <laughs> I, I I like how you have you do have a blend of solitary moments where yeah. you're you're making your art, and then you are also teaching and bringing yeah. lots of people together. So I, I know Michelle, when you talk about improv and you know you, you, the playing aspect and getting around other people to get to play, um, Bob, you you get to um, be the master of the playground. Yeah, and and tell sometimes I mean here's, yeah. sometimes there's Michelle a Michelle takes over sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes as players, we're like, well, let's just let's lock him up and you know, yeah. tie him to the tree and let's do what we want to do. <laughs> What are some of the That's favorite funny. games that you like to play on the playground of improv? Like, of improv, yeah. Um, and- so I well, well I, I will invite Michelle to to chime in. Uh, so there's a there's a couple of what we call mirroring games. One's mm-hmm. called Hitchhiker. One's called Waiting Room. That I know I think are yeah, some, of, are some all, of your those favorites. Are great fun. Yeah. And so this is basically where uh, and mirroring is a, is a well, it's one of the more advanced actually kind of aspects of of improv where you you know you're making up. The scene and characters, you know, in the moment, and when, and quite often, you're given a suggestion like, you know, you're in the kitchen or whatever, and that's all you've got to go with, and you're up there with your partner, blank, you know, canvas in front in front of you, theatrically speaking, um, and so sometimes um, if one of you initiates a type of character. A nice choice is to mirror that, and you become the same type of character. Um, so we have ga- we have exercises that we do in, in class where um, one is called waiting room. Right? Yeah, yeah. Where uh, you, do you like to play the I like receptionist? Wait, I like to waiting the, room. Yeah, Emily's played waiting room. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you I that. like to play the receptionist. I also have had we've had some great times where you know I I was just another one of the characters, but the the yeah. the com- 
the connection between all the players at that yeah. one um, was so fantastic that it is, you know, it has gone down into like Bob Baker, you know, history Lord, of improv. Yeah. We've um, had classes. some hilarious nights. We really but, have. But, um, but in those, whether it's hitch, so hitchhikers, one where there's two people in a, in a car and then there's a hitchhiker that enters. Oh, that so there's three fun. people in the scene. Waiting room, it builds up to like five people and it goes back down to one. But but basically each new character that comes in establishes, they had, they, they're, they're encouraged to come in as a strong character choice. Right. Everyone else in the room has to mirror them and become the same type of character. So if a valley girl comes in, everyone immediately turns into a valley girl and starts acting and fit, you know and behaving that way until the next character come in and that could be like a, a wrestler it's, or, or it's a physical choice. We yeah. had we had a, a person in our class a, a, a much younger uh, person, very enthusiastic, much younger, <laughs> and he came in and he threw his body on the floor as a, in the waiting room. He's like so exuberant, and then just like he just tossed his body on the floor. And as the other person in the waiting room, I should toss my body on the floor <laughs> as well. Mm. But it was like I thought to myself, okay, how can I, how can I mirror him without causing serious yeah. harm to myself? Right. <laughs> And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. We we just uh, we amped it up physically and like you know bending over the chair and leaning back yeah. and kicking our legs off to the side. But I did not throw Sorry. my body no, on no, the floor. No. Yeah, like, like you do have standards thing. after. Yeah. I need to yeah. get up off the floor, and and the and the class is only you know two hours long. So and one of my one of my classes at the community college, uh, somebody came in as like a bodybuilder type. And so everyone, and they're all seated in chairs in, in the waiting room game. So everybody started doing their own version of calisthenics or whatever. And one person was doing like chair pull-ups or whatever. Oh and somebody started flexing and, you know, or lifting. It was just hilarious. But so when you just like, when people, when you watch it from the audience and they all just immediately, as soon as they recognize what the character is, and they just start mimicking that. It's just hilarious to watch. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I have to say, though, that one of the best things about um, being in an improv community here in St. Louis, and I, I assume it would be this way in other sure. other areas across the world, is that you are with like-minded folks. You like to pl- all play pretend. And um, we were at July 4th, and we were going to go watch the um, uh, Bob and a bunch of us, and we were going to go watch the fireworks oh. over at Ann's. Oh, right, right, right. And uh, we were waiting outside, and Ann had given me a, uh, a flag or something, and I immediately put it up in the air like a tour guide. And I was with a bunch of improvisers from class and, you know, and they all started to be tour guide people, like members of the tour. Everyone assumed something different. And it was so much fun for me because I, you know, I sometimes will throw out an idea and I'm not with improvisers and nobody nobody (laughs) Nobody plays along. Well, isn't that what, I mean, that's what was so fun about being a child, you know, playing outside on the lawn, you know, and, and until the, the, the street light came on you had to go in you know and you right, just play right. these games with your neighborhood kids and it was like okay today we're going to pretend that this is happening right. and then everybody hops on board mm-hmm. and we're just acting this out I mean that's what improv is about so yeah and I'm re- you've probably heard me say it with Michelle many times at at class, yeah, that's a total belief of mine. We are born 
perfect and innocent and not only innocent but playful we play make-believe we throw a little <laughs> cape on and you know we come we're superman superwoman a superhero um and we can do that because we have no filters as a kid you know but mm-hmm. as we get older mm-hmm. uh we start oh we start noticing oh just get self-conscious and oh right. she, she said something negative about me maybe other people think that too and we build up these layers of resistance and um and as adults, everything gets so serious, and then you watch the news, and then it's, it's a whole other yeah. layer of heaviness. So part of my mission, you know, you would think improv and comedy is a frivolous thing, but I really deeply feel it's, it's a service to people um, that I'm helping them. They come to class, lighten up, even if it's for two hours a week. You get to just be playful and silly with other humans that are going to support you and not look at you funny. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Yeah. And, and will understand why you didn't throw yourself on the floor. You know, <laughs> exactly. yeah. no one's going to yeah. say, you should have. You should have thrown yourself. You know, it's it's yeah. very it's very supportive. We are so fortunate. Uh, I feel very fortunate in yeah. St. Louis to to have the to be a part of the improv community that yeah. that um, that I am. And we have great talent here. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah it, it's just I, wonderful. It is. It's it shed that armor of judgment, yeah, yeah. right? That we, 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 yeah. we somehow accept through the, as years go on. So I love that, that you can let that go and yeah, just, just get to have play a, pretend. Have fun. So you know? here's to having fun. Yeah, thanks. And playing pretend. For being on the B yeah. side, the first on the B and side, I'm Bob Baker. Yes. Do we, do, we get, do we get to clink we our glasses? We do. Oh, yes. That's clink, how clink, clink. we do it. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm yes. so thrilled. Yeah, absolutely. I'm honored. Yeah. Some some you, big big shoes for you other can, you men. Can, you can let all the other men out there know that you survived. And uh, and we did not uh, chew you up and spit you, you out. I was you know? a, I was your first. <laughs> That's right. uh, it was your first threesome. <laughs> yeah, right here on Clearly Speaking. Yeah, absolutely. It was your first FMF, right? <laughs> Female, F- male, female. Oh, is the male in the middle? Yes. Yeah, the, that's the FMF. I mean, I don't know if it was, but. <laughs> well. <laughs> At least on a podcast. Well, you know, yes. we're just playing pretend. Yeah. We're just improvising. We're just improvising. So, thanks again. Yeah, Bob. it was my pleasure. Thank you. I'm what honored to know you, and I'm really, I'm really thrilled for your success, and I know it's just going to get better and better. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. So. Thank you for your early inspiration and support, and so glad you. You yeah. be here today. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. More.